Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Desk Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Welcome, everyone. This past week began with the reflation themes we've discussed recently continuing on, especially with the extended moves higher in yields across the major bond markets. By midweek, the trends took on a different tone, though. Up until this point, everything was going higher and going higher in tandem, but on a positive theme. Yields were moving higher because inflation expectations, growth expectations were moving higher. Risk assets were moving higher, all part of this larger reflation theme. It was This theme is, again, to remind you, is based on an eventual reopening, which leads to strong demand and potentially higher inflation on the backside of that strong demand. So that's supportive of risk assets, higher yields, higher inflation break-evens, and just an optimistic tone in general. However, this past week, the tone changed a little bit. This was most noticeable on Tuesday when 10-year yields sold off the most since the Georgia elections back in early January, when in U.S. 10-year yields rose about 10 basis points. Off this, equities started to lose some ground. Emerging markets traded weekly. Dollar began to strengthen. In other words, this was no longer everything rising together and it being a good thing. We switched to yields rising, and that was turning and starting to turn into a bad thing for risk assets. If you recall, we discussed a similar price action back in the second week of January when markets embraced this idea of a new taper tantrum. The Fed pushed back on that, and we ended up seeing a recovery in most of those asset classes. But it's the same type of pattern. Yield rises starting to become negative for risk assets and other products, rather than being part of the positive story. Indeed, on Wednesday, we had stronger expected data out of the developed economies, most notably the U.S. retail sales number, which caused us to, caused us to substantially uh, rise our, raise our GDP forecasts. Um, that also raised specter of the idea that you could have a situation where too much good news too soon may cause policymakers to push less hard on the monetary or fiscal support. They may feel, not feel the need to keep their foot on the gas as much. This was another theme that started to come out this week. Of course, there is a simpler answer, which is that we've had a near six-week trend that has become pretty consensus, and with positions all correlated and building in that same reflation-themed direction, it's probably overdue for some consolidation, if not some pullback. Personally, I think that the price action was more reflective as this than any real worries about policymaker pullback, but we do have to be cognizant that ongoing rises in yields creates a competition for risk assets as an asset class basis and could cause some further unwinds. So in other words, I think that some pairing of exposures here is probably wise, even though over the long term, we're still supportive of the reflation theme uh, because we think that with that reopenings many months in, in, in the future, it's going to be hard really to disprove that we are going to have that burst of demand and that we are going to have that potential inflation on the backside of it. Those are themes that are hard to disprove in the near term, but market price action just of late means that we might start to see some consolidation or even some retracement in some of these recent themes. So on that note, I want to turn to our special guest, Brian Dangerfield, who's co-head of G10FX Strategy. Welcome back, Brian. All right, you heard what I just went through. And one of the major supports to this reflation theme over the medium term is the idea that more U.S. fiscal stimulus is coming. Policymakers aren't going to let up on the gas. Can you give us an update on where you stand on this latest bill, both on timing and size? Great. Thank you for having me, John. So when we set out our expectations for fiscal stimulus post-Georgia runoffs, we had set a range for a stimulus bill at around one to one and a half trillion, so drifting lower uh, than Biden's initial total. 
with a timing for around mid-March because of the timing of the expiration of supplemental unemployment benefits. Relative to that expectation when we set it out, I would say the timing still looks about right, but the size looks to be drifting a little bit towards the top end of that range, if not maybe testing a bit higher, getting closer to the 1.9. There really hasn't been as much pushback um, from the sort of mid uh, middle of the road Democrats as we had been expecting. And clearly the desire to get something out the door quickly is high among Democrats really across the ideological spectrum. And so next week is gonna be a pretty pivotal week in terms of the progress of the bill. It's gonna spend most of its time in the House of Representatives next week. And it's possible that we end up with a vote uh, perhaps as soon as Friday. So with that in mind, um, the bill is progressing uh, relatively quickly. In the Senate, we think it would take some more time, but I think we are still on pace for the Senate to really be realistically considering passing a bill sometime by the middle, uh, the earlier middle of March. And because the bill looks to be um, supported, most of its measures seem to be supported by most Democrats with a couple of controversial, relatively controversial pieces of the bill, perhaps holding it up uh, slightly. It looks like you're gonna get most of Biden's 1.9 trillion into the final bill. So from that perspective, I think the risk to our initial assumption is probably a little bit on the top side in terms of size, but in terms of when the bill gets passed, I still think something before the middle of March is still when we should expect it. And we'll get a lot of action on the bill coming up in the week ahead uh, as the bill uh, goes through the House of Representatives. Okay. What about down the road, Brian, as we talk about um, more stimulus in the future? What about things like Biden's climate plan or infrastructure spending? Do you think that this bill is all we're going to get? Or should we think about more stimulus coming after this? Well, certainly the signaling from the administration is that more is going to be coming, but that expectation is something that we think would really run into some, uh, you know, uh, some challenge from conservative Democrats and certainly from Republicans. You know, the the desire to get COVID relief out the door as quickly as possible has been extremely high. A further down the road bill, something on infrastructure and climate is likely something that's going to be met with a bit more scrutiny as, you know, one could argue that the, you know, the, the necessity for the bill as a relief, as a bridge um, for struggling consumers is not nearly as high. In terms of when we might hear more about this, we are expecting President Biden to give a joint a speech to a joint session of Congress sometime in the next couple of weeks. It was confirmed last week, or at least um, I could say fairly confirmed by the White House press secretary that that speech is not intended to be delivered in February and that it's going to be pushed to March. We know Biden has said his build back better plan, which is the infrastructure and probably climate piece of his plan, also maybe something on tax increases for corporates in there as well. That plan is expected to be outlined as part of that joint session of Congress speech, which is effectively his state of the union. So it's clear that right now we're dealing with COVID stimulus. The desire to get something done is huge. And it looks like there's not gonna be that much drift lower uh, that, than we had thought compared to Biden's initial 1.9 trillion. For the later plan, I think it's gonna be more difficult. I think it's gonna face a lot more scrutiny both from Republicans and from conservative Democrats. Getting it through via reconciliation will be harder. Uh, but we should expect to hear more about that when we hear from Biden at his you know, de facto State of the Union, and that looks like it's going to be sometime in March. 
Okay, switching gears a little bit, but right into your area of expertise. We had a little bit of a dollar turnaround early in the week, but then you know further weakening, which means higher sterling, higher euro, um, at least against the dollar uh, later in the week. What do you see going on here? Is it just more volatility or, or was that just a small hiccup in a larger trend? Well, look, I think from the FX perspective, we are very much watching the trend in fiscal stimulus and we're watching long-term interest rates in the US. You know, To the extent that fiscal stimulus expectations are helping push not only US long-term yields, but also fixed income yields you know, across developed markets higher, that's something that we think has really been a driver of recent dollar moves. And so as long as we have the market up, <clears throat> excuse me, optimistic about expectations for fiscal stimulus, we think there's still the possibility for you know, the dollar to remain supported here. Over the longer term, you know, we do think the global growth outlook is still strong, supported by vaccinations uh, that are likely going to pick up over time. And the Fed is likely to remain super easy um, through all of that. Fiscal stimulus also likely to ensure that fiscal policy also remains very easy. And so we think the overall trajectory is still one that's positive for global growth and thus negative for the safe haven dollar. But you know, over the next couple of weeks, we think the dollar is going to track very closely with assessment of U.S. growth fueled by fiscal stimulus and with it long-term yields. And to the extent that you have that optimism remaining um, at the forefront, you know, I think the dollar is going to remain uh, relatively well supported over the next few weeks as we sort of work our way through this. A couple of weeks ago, we turned more defensive in our dollar positioning. We took off our long-held euro dollar long, for example, and we think a defensive posture for the dollar still makes sense here. Okay. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Brian, for joining us once again. And I wish everybody a good week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.